Second Chronicles chapter number 14. We'll begin reading in verse number 9 this morning. The Bible says, and the reason I say that is because I want to be clear, this is not my words. I always say the Bible says because that gives the authority not to the speaker this morning because I'm just a 31-year-old, wet-behind-the-ears, know-nothing pastor, okay? But when I say the Bible says, this means that this is God's eternal, ordained Word. It is unchanging, it is always effective, and it will accomplish that which God wants it to. When I say the Bible says, I am trying to draw your attention to what God has for us this morning. So the Bible says, in verse number 9, And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand, that is a million, and three hundred chariots, and came unto Maresha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zepatha at Maresha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on Thee. The title of my sermon will be taken from that short phrase. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on Thee. And in Thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, Thou art our God, let not man prevail against Thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. In verse number 11 and verse number 12, we find Asa prays a prayer to God in what is his first battle as taking over as king. Asa thus far has seen 10 years of peace and prosperity. If you know anything about King Asa, he's really the first great king that the southern kingdom, Judah, has. And he's really a great king, but for 10 years, he knows nothing but spiritual revival, economic success, and overall prosperity throughout the whole kingdom. And now this battle occurs. But though he's a king of 10 years, this is his first battle. He's a rookie, a freshman, if you will, at this particular experience. I want to say three things by way of introduction in terms to the battles that we face as Christians. Number one, battles find us. We don't necessarily have to be looking for them. That's what the Bible says. Jace is just going about leading his kingdom the best way that he knows how. He's not particularly looking at conquering other lands. He's not set his mind on conquest. He is just trying to do the best for his kingdom. And the Bible says, And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian. 
Listen, friend, many times in the Christian life, we can be doing our best for the Lord. We've just got our head down, our hand to the plow, and we're trying to live for God the very best way that we know how. And all of a sudden, in one moment of time, a battle can find you. It happens suddenly in many, many cases. All it takes is one phone call. Just one, one, one car accident, one moment of indiscretion, and all of a sudden, a battle is at your doorstep, and you were just kind of going through your days, getting through, trying to walk with God, and battles find you. Uh, by the way, I want to point out here that King Asa is leading his kingdom in a spiritual direction. You could say that Asa is right with God, the kingdom is as right with God as it's ever been, and a battle finds him. What I'm trying to say is this, just because you are living for God and walking with God does not mean you are exempt from battles. Battles find us. We don't necessarily have to be looking for them. Number two, by way of introduction, battles are not always fought on a fair playing field. It's funny because in verse number eight, the Bible tells us, and it seems to be telling, uh, if you read the passage from verse number one to verse number eight, you're really encouraged because of the prosperity that's going on in Asa's kingdom. And then verse number eight, it talks about how Asa has uh, uh, built the cities up. He's walled the cities and barred the cities. He's fortified all the cities. And then in verse number eight, the Bible says, and Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000. And out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. So if you add all those up, that's 580,000 people who are willing and standing ready to fight for King Asa and the southern kingdom of Judah. That sounds pretty good. Half a million people ready to fight for Asa. But then verse number 9 says, And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand. Asa has almost half as many people as the battle that which he's about to face does. And and what's funny is it seems like everything's going good in in Asa's kingdom. And God's blessing and prosperity and success and all these things are great. But the Bible then says, yeah, but his enemy had more. You see, the battles that we face as Christians are not always fair. I can tell you it doesn't seem fair when you get bad news from the doctor. It doesn't seem fair. Why doesn't somebody else have this problem? I I remember thinking in my mind before when I was a younger man how good Christians that are on foreign mission fields trying to serve God and trying to live for God, I remember thinking, why do they have to deal with this? Battles that we face are not always fought on fair playing fields. Number two is battles are not fair. Number one is battles find us. But number three, not all battles are the same. But all battles are spiritual. Now, within the congregation this morning, we have a pretty diverse group of people. We have young folks right over here, uh, good-looking youth department. I mean, the ones that I led were better looking, but y'all are okay. You'll do right now. Um, But no, no, we have a good youth department. We have some older folks in here. We have people in all stages of life, all economic levels. We have have a pretty diverse congregation. Down the road, we have a Spanish church, and they, they this morning are speaking in tongues, or at least a language that I cannot understand. We have a pretty diverse congregation congregation here. 
And within this congregation, we represent all sorts of different battles. Some of us this morning are fighting medical battles. Some of us this morning are fighting relational battles or maybe occupational battles or even perhaps if you're getting into college, educational battles as online classes uh, may be a little bit more different than you're used to. But we all face different battles. But listen to me, though every battle has different characteristics, every battle is spiritual. Eventually, the swords will clash in Ace's life. Eventually, the, sword, the, the arrows will be shot. The spears will be thrust. Eventually, soldier will fight soldier. And, and that is more in the physical arena. But before Asa ever enters into that arena, he enters into the spiritual arena and goes to God and says, Lord, we need your help. Many times the mistake Christians make is we fight all of our battles solely in the physical arena, not realizing that most of them are won in the spiritual arena. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not, they're not uh, physical in nature. They're not of this world. The Bible says, for we battle not against flesh and blood. That means that you can't see all the adversaries in our battle Our battles are not all the same, but they are all spiritual. I was uh, reading a funny story the other day about a uh, college professor who was giving a final exam. And there had been some rumors about folks in the class that had been maybe sharing answers and cheating. And and so he was trying to get around this. and, And so he gave out the final exam... And everybody was taking the final exam. When they were to turn the final exam in, he says, when you come to my desk to leave the paper, I need you to take another paper. And on this paper, it says, I, so, such and such, did not receive any outside help from this exam while taking it. And you sign your name at the bottom, and that will be a commitment to me that you did not in any way cheat. And so most of the students took the exam, took it up to the professor's desk, signed the piece of paper that was the oath that said that they did not uh, receive any outside help. They handed it in, left the classroom, and it was done. But there was one young man hesitantly sitting in the back of the classroom who you could see he was wrestling with something. Eventually the class time was over. The professor kind of urged him to come forward. So the young man approached the professor and he said, Sir, I'm, I'm hesitant to sign the paper that you have requested that we all sign. And the professor said, okay, well, why is that? He said, well, professor, I have to be honest, before the exam, during the exam, and even now after the exam, I have been praying the entire time that God would help me. And the professor said, okay, son, I I can appreciate that at least, and so let me take a look at your test. So the professor takes the test and Thumbs through it for a little while. The man stands there nervously wondering what the professor's answer is going to be. The professor hands back the exam and the oath that he had requested that every student sign. And he said, son, I want you to know that you can sign that oath without any concern because God had nothing to do with that test. (laughs) 
Amen. Sometimes it feels that way, right? Sometimes it feels like God doesn't have very much to do with it. But I am so thankful this morning that I can say, I serve a God that still answers prayer. I serve a God that even though my prayers sometimes feel like they get no higher than the roof, that's okay because I'm not praying that direction. I'm praying this direction. The Holy Spirit of God lives in me and He hears the prayers that I pray. I'm thankful I serve a God like that that's still capable of answering even the greatest prayers that we can pray. King Asa, just a man of 10 years, a king of 10 years. Where does he go when he doesn't know what to do? Where does he go when the battle's not fair? Where does he go when he wasn't looking for a battle, but now he finds himself right in the middle of one? He goes to the Lord in prayer. And I think this morning we find four characteristics of prayer that rests in the Lord. Number one, this is a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of faith. Notice with me, the Bible says in verse number 11, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. Sometimes we just read through the Bible like we're getting done with a school project. You know, but, but we must pay very close attention to what the Bible says. Every single word is inspired of, of God, and it is all important for us. We don't want to skip over the, to the contents of the prayer until we find the fact that Asa actually took time to pray. You see, this is a prayer that approached the Lord. You say, Brother Andrew, obviously if I'm going to pray, I've got to go to the Lord. Yeah, it, makes, it sounds good coming out of our mouth, but how often do we face spiritual battles and we never take the time to even pray about them? You say, that would never happen to me. Well, you're better than some of the best Christians in the Bible. My mind goes to Joshua. As he is just over, uh, now overseeing the nation of Israel, he's leading them into the great promised land. And he's been real nervous about the battle of Jericho this whole time because of the greatness of the walls. The news has traveled all around the lands. And so now they've got to go overtake Jericho. I can just imagine Joshua sitting there thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Although I will say that's a bit out of character for Joshua. He's probably in the back of his mind saying, I, I don't know that we have the resources. I don't know that we have the supply. But God miraculously and amazingly delivers Jericho. Man, they blew them walls down with some trumpets and some shouts. It's a wonderful story of God's victory in his people's life. But then the next chapter tells us of another battle that Joshua has to fight. Now, Joshua is only fought one battle, and it was a glorious success at Jericho. But his second battle is a town by the name of Ai. I mean, it's really not even a town. It's more of a village. It's it's insignificant. There's not very many people there. So Joshua did what he had seen Moses do. He got some spies together, sent them to go out and spy Ai out. The spies come back, and by the way... These formalized committees in the Bible hardly ever work out when you see Moses do it and Joshua do it. But they come back to uh, Joshua and they say, Joshua, this is going to be cake. He says, we don't need to send the whole army. I mean, that would be silly. Just send two or three thousand men. I mean, the flippancy in it all is, is really comical. They say, just send two or three thousand. I mean, who, whoever wants to get out of bed in the morning, it's fine. We'll send two or three thousand men because there's not very many people at AI. I mean, after all, we just destroyed Jericho. This is nothing. They get to AI. 
And the Bible says 36 men of the Israel army there died because Joshua never took time to pray. He never took time to pray because it was just a little battle. Did you know that of the 13 battles that Joshua fought, that is his only defeat? Did you know that in the rest of the battles that he fought, he took time to pray? Did you know that that is the only battles that he ever suffered a casualty from? The battles that we fail to pray will always ensure for our adversary the victory. We must pray. You say, Brother Andrew, I I know, academically I get it. It makes a lot of sense. The Bible tells us over and over again, ye have not because ye ask not. In fact, the Bible says that we can approach the Lord. We have, the, we have been able, God, Christ has enabled us to enter into the Holy of Holies. We can now enter into the throne of God and say, Lord, I need help because this is my time of need. The Bible says that you have that privilege, but how often do we forsake that privilege? Friend, if seeing the news this day in our land does not drive us to our knees, it ought, it, it, that is a cry in shame. So many people are far more ready to cast a vote in November like that's going to be the solution to all of our problems. Man, you cast a vote every single day as to whether you pray for our nation or not. The last election didn't fix it all, and the next one won't fix it all. There's, there's going to be a day where it won't be an election, and that's the one that's going to fix it all. But until Jesus Christ sits on the throne here on earth, it ain't going to be fixed. So today, pray for our nation. Tomorrow, pray for our nation. This is a prayer of faith, and this faith allowed, uh, allowed Asa to approach the Lord. But secondly, not only was it an approaching faith, It was an absolute faith. Notice the contents of the prayer now. Verse 11 says, Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. What is he saying? Asa is not just saying, Lord, I mean, after all, you've blessed me with half a million soldiers. Uh, About 280,000 of them are great archers. 300,000 of them are are foot soldiers. They have spears. I mean, they're mighty men of valor. Lord, you've blessed the nation like this. You prepared us for this time. And with our resources and your blessing, we can win. That is not at all what Asa is saying. He is saying, Lord, you do not need us to win this battle. It is nothing with thee to help by many or by few. God, this is nothing. I mean, think about it. God delivered the nation of Israel with a bunch of grasshoppers. A bunch of frogs from from Exodus. Uh, He he delivered them with with plagues. Uh, Moses did nothing in all of that. God did it all. God doesn't need our supply. God doesn't need our resource. God is capable to fix all the problems of life. And He doesn't really need our talents, our time, our treasure. He doesn't really need our opinion. He doesn't need our expertise. He doesn't need our education. He doesn't need any of that. He just needs Him. And Asa says, Lord, you can do this. It is nothing with thee. 
Now, this is a pretty insurmountable battle when you think about it. A million soldiers coming against the nation. This is a people that has not experienced a battle in some time. Over a a million people. Man, that seems to be insurmountable odds. And Asa has enough faith to say, it is nothing with thee. Did you know that there is not a battle represented in this room today that challenges the power of God? Not one of them has him sitting on his throne in heaven, wringing his hands, quaking and trembling in his spine, saying, Oh no, what are we going to do? How are we going to overcome this? Jesus says, For with men these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. King Asa understood that. And if we understand that, we ought to be motivated to approach the Father and say, Lord, whatever the battle I'm facing, be it medical, be it financial, whatever the case, I know you can do it. The first characteristic of prayer that rests on God is, number one, it was a prayer of faith. Number two, it was a prayer of surrender. Notice this. The Bible says in verse number 11, Lord... It is nothing with thee to help, whether by, with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. We rest on thee. For a country at, uh, with all the unrest that we find in our land right now, boy, Christians need some rest. And it's not just enough to turn the news off because in the back of all all of our minds we know the news is still happening. To compartmentalize it in that way doesn't solve the problem. We know that. We, We might get away from it. We might separate from it. And by the way, I think it's wise sometimes to separate from all the bad news and inject a little good news in life. But just to turn the news stations off doesn't make the fire stop in Portland. And we know that. Our country needs rest. We need rest. And Asa says, I find rest on God. This word rest is kind of unique. It means to lean upon. It's the same imagery used on a shepherd holding his staff. It's he's following his shepherd, uh, his herd. He's following up and down the mountains and he has his staff to lean upon, to make the journey easier. And that is the idea painted here. Asa says, Lord, I'm not trusting in me. I'm not trusting in the army. I am leaning wholly on you. This is a unique word. It's the same word used in Proverbs chapter 3 that says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's a great temptation in life to lean upon that which is visible. Lean upon that which is controllable. Lean upon the things that we have some say in. That's the great temptation. But Asa understood that if he leaned upon what he could come up with, it would fail. It is only when he leaned upon the Lord, who can never fail, that Asa found rest. We need rest. 
I'm telling you today, I don't think the nation's problems or even our own personal battles will be solved by trusting in our own understanding and our own resources and our own connections. In fact, I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes from the, uh, to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He will not slumber nor sleep. You see, he understood his help didn't come from where he could see. His help came from the Lord. Total surrender. You know, this is uh, maybe taking it a little bit too far, but another way that word is used is to recline. My mind kind of went to my chair at the house that Amy bought me several years ago for Christmas. It's dad's chair, right? The kids sit in it. The kids play in it. Sometimes it becomes like a a catapult. You know, Bailey sits on one side, Thomas sits on the other, and Caitlin jumps on and shoots Thomas across the room. Uh, It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful game they play. It's only resulted in a few concussions and three stitches, but it's great. It's just good fun, you know. But that's Dad's chair, and everybody knows in the house that it's Dad's chair. And you know, there's other chairs in the house. But the recliner is dad's. Now, does dad always only ever sit in the recliner? No, I sit in all over the place. I I sit in all the chairs. But that's dad's chair. You know, when we trust in our father, the way that I think is pictured here in scripture, even when unrest is all around us in life, when the battle is the hottest, I believe it'll feel very much like a recliner. We trust in the Lord. With all of our heart. And lean not unto our own understanding. And we acknowledge Him in all our ways. And He shall direct our paths. There's great comfort to be taken in that kind of lifestyle. Not only was this a prayer of faith. This was a prayer of surrender. And that's two great characteristics of prayer that relies and rests in God. But number three, I want you to see this. This was a prayer of activity. Verse number 11, again we find, Asa says, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. Listen here, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Some prayers we pray, I think, are asking God to do it all. And we we just place all the responsibility on God's plate and say, God, if you don't fix this situation, you are the only one to blame. God, I pray this prayer today. I hand it all to you and I take no responsibility for the consequences of my own actions. Asa wasn't praying that kind of prayer. He said, Lord, we're going to battle. Because we're battling for your name. That's what he says. And in thy name we go. It's very similar to King David when he approached that uh, valley where that uh, big giant came out every day and Goliath would stand there in the valley. And for days and days he sat there mocking the army of Israel and criticizing their God. Uh, Your God's nothing. If your God was anything, you'd come down here and fight me. And all those Israeli soldiers standing up there on the mountain, shaking in their armor, wondering, man, I don't know if we can fight against that guy. David looks down at the battle and he sees this giant come out and start criticizing God and start mocking the soldiers. And David says, is there not a cause? What is he saying? 
He's saying God's name is on the line here. Do you know every battle that you fight, God's name is on the line? If all of our battles are spiritual and they are fought in the spiritual arena, then God's name is always on the line. And in God's name, we go into battle. One of the great disservices I think we've done to our children is we call that the battle of David and Goliath. No, that wasn't the battle of David and Goliath. That was the battle of God versus Goliath. Even David said, I'm fighting for the Lord here. I don't need Saul's armor. I'm fighting for God. And if God's on my side, I'm going to win this battle. Amen. Do you know that every battle you face is in God's name? Asa had been working for years, preparing for this day. You can find that he wasn't too scared to fight. Notice in verse number 6 and verse number 8 of the passage, Asa built fences in the cities in Judah. The land had rest and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars. That's like the bars at 7-Eleven. You tell me why a store open 24-7 a day needs, uh, 24-7 needs bars on the window. But nonetheless, they do. And, uh, but, uh, so he's, he's solidifying, he's securing the city. He's putting gates and towers and bars and walls in the land. Those are all defensive strategies while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought Him, and He hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. In fact, verse number 8 tells you about how He had trained soldiers. The closing statement of that verse says, And all these were mighty men of valor. He had been training His soldiers. He had been preparing His cities for this day. Asa was not afraid of war. But when wartime came, he said, Lord, we're going to battle in thy name. He says, this is for you. This is a prayer of activity. You, you have a battle in your life. I'm quite sure you do, no matter what it is. I mean, high schoolers have a battle in their life. They have all sorts of temptations that they face. They have to get through school. They have to face more peer pressure than was in most adults' life. I mean, they face many, many battles. They're still figuring out who they are. I remember when I was a teenager, I didn't know, have any clue who I was. And they're still trying to figure all this out. And you say, yeah, they just need to, they just need to grunt and bear it. Yeah, you're right, they do. But they need to do it with the Lord's help. They need to be spiritual teenagers. I mean, they face all battles. You face all sorts of battles. But all of them should be fought in the Lord's name. And as we do it, we might begin to realize that you can't just pray and hope. But pray and work. You know, there was a man said, said this. I prayed for 20 years but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. <laughs> Sometimes our prayers need to grow legs. I'll certainly pray on our knees, but when we're done doing that, get up and work. Allow God to use you in the battle. This is a prayer of faith, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of activity. And finally, this was a prayer of glorification. Notice this. The Bible said, uh, still says today, it, this is not past tense, it still says this, it's unchanging. Oh Lord, Thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. Wait a minute, this battle isn't between God and the Ethiopian king. This is against Asa in the Ethiopian. No, this is a battle. 
And, and, and Asa says, Lord, do not let man prosper against you. Asa realized that he was just a billboard of glorification for the Lord. If he was weak in this moment, then everybody viewed God weak in this moment. The prosperity of God's people is always a a direct correlation to to lost folks' mind that whether their God is legitimate or illegitimate. When God's people behave like heathens, guess what? They say, yeah, that's the kind of God they serve. When God's people act valiantly through tribulation and trials... People say, wow, I can't believe they're keeping their faith like that. In fact, my mind even goes to King Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't until after the three Hebrew children were pulled out of the fiery furnace. It wasn't until after Daniel interpreted the vision. It wasn't until after all these things, Nebuchadnezzar changed his tune and said, nope, you serve the real God. The way we face things in life is an opportunity to glorify the Lord. I spoke to a family yesterday on the phone. I, I close with this. I spoke to a, a family yesterday on the phone who has absolutely had one of the hardest years that I can even imagine. I mean, they have just... I mean, 2020 has been a little bit rough on all of us, right? But I'm telling you, this family has just been through the ringer. And there's so many things that, that our, our church family wouldn't even know about. Just trial and trial and trial. I spoke to them on the phone yesterday and, and the whole family was on speakerphone. And, and you know, all I could ever say as preacher or as your pastor is just say, I'm praying for you. That's all I can do. I mean, believe it or not, as many times as I visited the hospital, not a single time yet has a doctor come out and asked my advice on a situation. Believe it or not, I, you would think that there's a safety in a multitude of counselors, but I guess not for doctors and whatnot. But all I can really do is say, you know what, I'm praying for you. But yesterday, as as I was on the phone to this family, I just felt led of the Lord to say, you know what, I know y'all have had a tough year. I know it's been very hard on y'all, but don't get discouraged. Just don't grow weary. Just don't be discouraged. I thought that was pretty spiritual counsel. I, I thought that that might help them. I thought that that might lift them up. You know what, preacher, thanks for saying that. We needed that. I was shocked when the answer came back. They almost interrupted me. And they said, oh no, we're not discouraged. In fact, this new battle that we're facing is we're praying the same thing we've prayed every day for the last little bit. We've been praying this every day when I head into work. Lord, help somebody see Jesus through what I'm going through today. Wow. See, it's one thing when we see it on the pages of Scripture way back when in King Asa's life. But friend, there's people seated all around you today that live this kind of life. That pray prayers like this. It says, Lord, it is nothing with thee to save, whether by many or with those that have no power. Today we go to battle for you, Lord, and it is in thy name that we face this battle. There's people all around you seated today that are praying prayers like that. My friend, I want to encourage you today to pray that prayer. I've found that every day I've started to pray, Lord, and this is just a personal testimony, I've started to pray this. Lord, today my eyes are your eyes. My ears are your ears. My hands are your hands today. You sit on the throne of my life and you are reigning. 
I only want to obey you and I only want to honor you. I want to live for you today, Lord, because I realize that every day is an opportunity to glorify you. Christian, there's a lot of people that will never come in this church house, but you interact with on a daily basis. And it's only when people begin to see Christ in and through us that they will start to understand the power and love of Christ for them. There's a prayer that rests in God. And this prayer is a prayer of faith and surrender and activity and glorification.